Patreon supporters are a big part of this show, and we ask them to ask us questions on any topic, and boy, did they. In today's show, we read their questions and give our answers. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two. One. Welcome everyone, this is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. Thank you very much. You know, Patreon supporters are a big part of this show, and we ask them to ask us questions on any topic, and boy did they. In today's show, we read their questions and give our answers. First, I encourage you, do a Google search. There's this crazy story that happened, I want to say, way back in about 2015, 2016 in Portland, Oregon. Uh, citizen journalists taking video downtown because, of course, in Portland there was crazy riot happening. Crowd starts to bum rush him, starts to come after him and yelling threats at him. And he drew his firearm and then he holstered it. And the rest of his life was changed. He was jailed. He lost his right to own firearms. He lost his right to be a citizen journalist. I'm not kidding. How yeah. can you prevent this? And you know the story. You just need to Google it. How can you prevent this? Well, I encourage you to think about joining U.S. Law Shield. If you're ever in that situation, you immediately call U.S. Law Shield and said, here's what's happening. And they'll get you legal help on the spot. And they'll pay for it. And they'll pay for it. Because it's insurance and that's what you're buying. That's exactly what you're buying. Now, what if it's a little bit different and it's you end up in a fist fight? Same thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be part of a firearm situation. But for those of you who are Second Amendment supporters and believe in the right to defend yourself, this can be a game changer for you. Well, we also wanted to mention Shelby's amazing feature that she does, videos of her without the mask. They are for Patreons at the $5 and up level. It's called Prepping for Kids, where she reads from Little House in the Big Woods, which was the beginning series that became Little House on the Prairie. It's great. It talks about, uh, you know, homesteading lifestyle and all kinds of really good um, character building sort of things. It's really nice. And then she also does one for teens called Prepping for Teens, which is Island of the Blue Dolphins. I love this story. Yeah, and that's a story about a uh, girl who was stranded, and based on a true story, stranded on an island and had to survive all by herself. For 18 years. For 18 years, and what she went through. So it's a great way to bring kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, whatever the, the, the kid or teen in your life may be, to bring them into the prepping world. We're actually going to have a question on that later from one of our patrons. Yeah. And um, get them some wholesome, good entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. So real quick. Quick reminder, I'm going to only say it for a few seconds, July 30th in Missoula, Fort Missoula State Park, uh, the Bella Vista Pavilion. We're having our Prepping 2.0 Picnic Palooza in Missoula. Come join us. If you're planning to come, send me, shoot me a quick email, shelbygallagher321 at gmail.com. Let's get into it. Well, here's our first Patreon question from Clock Tower. It's a doozy. And Clock Tower, we don't know, you know, male or female. Could go either way. Uh, we don't have any preferred pronouns on this one. It's a, it's a stun. It's a great question to start with. It is one of these hard-hitting questions that you expect from journalists when they're interviewing uh, Joe Biden. And that is, <laughs> what's your fl- favorite flavor of ice cream? I'll go ahead and say um, cherry, Bordeaux cherry, you know, vanilla with chunks of... Dark red cherries. Dark red cherries in it. Yeah. What about you, Shelby? I'm going to say anything, honestly, anything with chocolate. It, it can be a chocolate ribbon. It can be chocolate chunks. It can be double chocolate brownie. Anything with chocolate in it. Chocolate bubble gum? Um, no. No, not at all. So there you go. That See, was it. I know. Woo, a hard hitting question from our Patreons. Don't worry. <clears throat> we have we have more of this kind of stuff coming up. Maybe, maybe slightly more substantive, although Clock Tower is being I'm funny not, with us. I, exactly. And I'm not sure. There's going to be more prepping-related questions, so hang in there. So the next one is uh, Elizabeth C., and she kind of has a little bit of story here. I'm, I am super grateful that I get to move from a blue state, western Washington, to a red state, southern Idaho, in three weeks. This has been four years in the making. Boy, we, we hear you, Elizabeth, seriously. I currently live on a creek and have never had to worry about water preps, but will be moving to high desert. 
I can prep water for me, but plan to put in a garden as soon as we arrive and have been reading up as much as I can about gardening in a drought-prone area and imagine it will be a whole new learning curve. What lessons have you learned since your move about the environmental differences in your new location and how to garden, raise your chickens, etc.? Go ahead. So regarding water, where we lived in western Washington, we didn't have a creek or anything like that, but we do now. Yes. We have a creek that runs through our property. We also have two wells on our property, which is what was a big draw for us for having a prepping property. So, um, Elizabeth, you didn't say, but I would make sure that you have a stout well um, that is got some decent pressure that goes fairly deep. Um, What are your thoughts? I would add this um, on the well topic and keep going on other topics, but on well, I would just interject, if at all possible, get a manual hand pump. Now, it's not as simple as that. I mean, it's kind of obvious. You're not gonna go to tractor supply and get a hand pump. Well, but the other thing is physics. If you've got a 400 foot deep well, you, you can hand pump all you want and a human being doesn't have the horsepower, right. semi pun intended, to um, bring the water up to the surface. So a hand pump is not always physically possible, mm-hmm. but if you have an electric pump, at least have some alternative power, which we're gonna be talking about in Generator one of our other something, yeah. Patreon questions, to get the water up. So anyway, that was what I wanted to interject about wells. Absolutely. And that and and so we can't I don't know how I can be much more help there because it really is dependent on what's going on in your area. Two, one person I would really recommend you reach out to. I believe you can find him on our website prepping two dash zero dot com on friends and affiliates. Brian Domkey mm-hmm. over at Strategic Landscape Designs. This is his wheelhouse and he can help you plan for that, Elizabeth. The other two questions you ask, uh, differences in your new location for garden and raising your chicken, big time difference. Mm. Where we live in Montana, much more uh, severe of a climate. Western Washington is actually quite mild. No, very mild winters, very mild summers. In Western Montana, I'm gonna say that correctly, hard freezes in the winter, hot summers. So I, I'm i with you, I'm in the learning curve of how do I plan for that right now? In about a week, my I'm gonna have a new greenhouse and the green, I'm, I'm looking at the greenhouse as extending my growing season to about nine months instead of the current four months, which is about from May to September in Western Montana. I'm trying to extend that. I don't think I'll ever truly be able to uh, garden in my greenhouse when it's 10 below zero. I just don't, and I don't even want to try. Kind of an try. unrealistic I expectation. I kind of don't want to try. Yeah, and I have unless a st- you grow ice oh, cream, I'm like, not, like right. cherry ice cream or chocolate. I will chocolate. make ice cream, exactly. And raising my chickens, that's a great question. And here's my answer. Chickens, are chickens. depending on the breed, can be very, very hardy in, in extreme climates. So find the ones, ask your neighbors, Look around, ask the folks at the farmer supply, what are good chickens for your area? I specifically, I'm gonna tell you this strategy that I took. I have ordered chicks, and they're hard to find right now during the time I wanted them. I ordered them for about the first week or two of June, so I'll be getting chicks then, so that I'll be raising small chick chicks during the warmth of the summer. I don't wanna be raising chicks when it's freezing outside, when we're still having frost right now. Um, and. Our chicken coop is stout. It is not of the. We did not goof around on this chicken coop. We didn't because of that. Yeah. You can have, you know, frozen birds in the winter. We bought and spent some money on a stout shed like structure for a chicken coop that um, I can put, I can provide heat to. So, yeah, I had to, we had to, we could not have lived here with the chicken coop that we had in Western Washington. So those, you have to consider that. So that's where you have to kind of ask your neighbors and, and look around and see what people are doing. What are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. It's something you need to plan for. You know, you can't, and we, we have lived this. Yes. So, so we uh, practice what we preach. You cannot take your prepping plans that are based on one climate right. and, and transport them over to another climate, there are going to be changes. A more stout, far more stout, a chicken coop being one, there are a variety of other ones. The greenhouse will be done differently oh, it, it, than, much it was, more stout, yes. than it was in Western Washington for us. 
And so you need to have your expectations right. And you Mm -hmm. need to understand that when you go to a new place and there's so many benefits for being in a blue or pardon me, a red state like like and especially uh, southern Idaho, which I think would be a magnificent place. It's probably very similar to western Montana where we are. Yeah, Yeah. it is. We're kind of neighbors. We got the Rocky Mountains in between us. Mm -hmm. But um, and so don't expect 100 percent. uh, universal uh, transformation in your stuff. You're, it's it's a whole new ball game. And one thing that Shelby said that was very wise. One of the many things that she says that is wise. Gosh. Yeah, is that uh, you really need to live in a place for an entire year to see all four seasons and how things work. And that is really true. And one thing I would suggest, while you should be as um, uh, in a hurry as possible to get your homesteading down and your food production down because as we know food prices are going up you might want to take a year and just see how the seasons go Mm -hmm. you might give yourself a little extra time um, to set up things chicken coops and greenhouses because you're going to see how the actual seasons are i mean you can look up on the internet and see average temperatures and all that other stuff but there's something about living through all four seasons in a new place to really understand what it's like. So, and let me, as you were speaking, I just thought of this, Glenn. One of the things that I recently did is I found our growing zone. I'm forgetting the number already. I have it written down because I took a bunch of notes. I can't remember. Find your growing zone and then go look up your, your growing season and how to extend it. And I say this at the same time I was doing that, getting ready for the greenhouse that we have coming. I also, the the guy that I have contracted to make our super stout greenhouse, he said, hey, you should go visit these people. They're making one just like yours so you can see what it's like. And it has a Solex, I'm going to use this word, Solex cover over it. It's not just plastic. So I'm talking to these people. And this woman, God bless little her. Little nutty. Little nutty. Greenhouse people are. <laughs> um and she was dug on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna grow vegetables in December in this greenhouse. And she's got heating elements. She's got everything set up. And I'm like massive insulation. It was what oh, a, like it, a thirty thousand oh dollar greenhouse. Oh my gosh! It's like three times the amount we're gonna pay for ours. But um, I got what it was nice for me is I got to get an idea of scope and size, which is what I needed. But I'm thinking to myself, I want my greenhouse to extend my growing season. And I I said to her. I don't know. I think you might actually, because we're standing in this thing in about January. It's about 40 degrees outside, and we're standing in this greenhouse, and it's about 65, which is perfect. And I said to her, you're going to make this thing too hot for the summer. Mm -hmm. Did you know that plants don't grow? You're not going to grow tomatoes, based on a true experience of Shelby Mm -hmm. Gallagher, if it's too hot. And I said that to her. Did you know that? And she said no. And I said, this is just my advice to you. You don't know me from anyone, but you might think about just not growing anything or doing something else, doing root vegetables that can handle cold in December and January, because that's unrealistic in this climate. Extend your growing season to nine months and 10 months instead. And she she didn't want anything to hear about that. But I'm like, she is insulating this thing so much that she's going to actually miss out on the true growing season when she doesn't need to expend that much energy. Or $30,000. I just thought that was such a waste. Think, work with your seasons, not against them, and try to extend them. So that would be my advice. Woo, got into the woods on that one. You're up for yeah. our next person. Moose is our next Patreon. Uh, Moose, not uh, the name on his birth certificate. How He's, do you know? I don't know. Okay. That's right. Um, he says, is full on... Off-grid. By the way, he hyphenated full-on and off-grid, which I really appreciate. I'm a big fan of hyphenations. Is full-on off-grid homesteading compatible with having a job, or is that something that typically works better for self-employed people? Another hyphenated word. Oh, yeah. I love it. I ask because I do a fraction of what those folks do, and with a demanding full-time job and three young girls, I have no idea how we'd be able to add chickens and goats to the mix along with growing our own food. I know it's possible if you want it enough, but do you find that most homesteaders are self-employed or retired? He says, and we'll answer that question in a moment. He says, by the way, I loved your permaculture episode and we're leveraging that to decrease the, uh, yes, to decrease the time spent on food produced. We have recently planted pear, cherry, and peach trees to complement our existing apple and plum trees along with various berries. Thanks to you both, Shelby and Glenn. Well, thank you. Well, here's the the question. It's basically, 
is it a good idea to be self-employed or retired and do a full-on homesteading lifestyle, full-on off-grid homesteading? We are very motivational here on the show and we never want to squelch motivation and enthusiasm, but I have to say, I have to be honest, because that's what we do on this show, I have to be honest. I think being a full-on off-grid homesteader is only possible if you were retired or self-employed. I don't know how you could hold a regular full-time job, especially with three young girls, or boys for that matter, and and do all the stuff you need to do to be full-on off-grid. I just, if, if, if that dissuades some of you who have day jobs into becoming full-on homesteaders, then so be it. I think Shelby and I are actually doing you a favor by saying, you know, reality check here. It's it's too hard to do when you've got a full-time job. And that doesn't mean you don't prep. I mean, if you have a full-time job, there are a lot of other things you can do. You can buy food and store it and preserve it and all those other things. So that's, that's my answer. What do you think about that? Well, and to... I'm, I'm really afraid that we're going to make somebody mad, but we're, this is reality. I know, I know, I know very, very, very few people who are full on off grid. Yeah, really hard to do. It is incredibly hard to do and sustain, and you have to have kind of a perfect, and you have to have a done it for you. You have worked for years to get it to that point. I think most people do a hybrid version. We're not close to it. No. Um, we we aspire for that to get closer to it i don't know if we ever will but i but the message of prepping though isn't to be off grid it's to be not dependent upon others for your situation and to take care of yourself so now do you need to be prepared if suddenly the electricity goes out for a long time yes do you need to have food on hand yes but you don't need to be full on off grid i think that that is pretty aspirational for most people i i also think though too and i and i hear what you're saying super busy trying to make ends meet got the job trying to you know make make this thing hum along do what you can take a weekend and do you know and and i'm saying that because glenn and i have been guilty of doing too much yeah i was just gonna say that go ahead tell the story so where especially when covid hit we felt a lot of pressure to get stuff done that we had put off because we were working and we were busy just like you and during the covid shutdowns and the and the um quarantines and all that we worked too hard and we overdid it and we were going at such a a crazy pace and now we look back and and like we i'm glad we did that yeah but man we missed out on a lot i we i'm thinking i probably have an injury now (laughs) from that because of yeah, so it's there needs to be balance there. We've said that all along, and we're not the best examples of it. Do what you can and be strategic. And I would start with moose, things like making sure you have a food supply for your family for a month to six weeks and the ability to get more food, you know, fruit trees or whatever, so that in, in a situation, I don't know, like Ukraine, if you need to go pick fruit off a tree to feed your family, you can do that. Um and, and start from there. I mean, what do you think, Glenn? I think that the aspiration, as you said, of full-on off-grid is indeed just that. It's an aspiration. What that goal does, two things. Number one, it's impossible to meet, and then people get frustrated. Yes. People with day jobs get frustrated, and then they, they give up, which is not good. The other thing is that this entirely self-sufficient goal means that you're forgetting about one key fact of life and that is there are other people in your community take electricity for example now pending or i should say barring some uh, national event like an emp that takes down all the power lines if it's just uh you know massive inflation and nobody can afford their electric bills there's going to be millions of people that need electricity and not like i you know, rely on the government, but there's going to be some kind of solution. They they just won't send out electric bills. They're not going to let the entire population go without electricity when there's a way to technically a way, uh, practically a way to provide electricity because they're going to have a revolution on their hands. Mm-hmm. So 
you have to factor in the fact that you are part of a society, whether you like it or not, you're part of society and that the, the needs of all kinds of other people are something you need to consider. And, you know, we were talking about a way to get food. Um, you could also barter. We'll be addressing that topic yeah. in another question. You know, you don't need to have absolutely everything on hand that you need. It's impossible. What are you going to do? Walk into Home Depot and say, I'll take one of everything. Yeah. And and then like have, you know, a duplicate Home Depot store so you could always be self-sufficient and have the electrical conduit that you need. You just can't do it. Right. You have to be part of a society. So um, that got a little bit afield from the, the main question, but I think it's a great way of looking at the topic of total self-sufficiency it's and off grid and That's, off grid the off grid is is hard yeah. yeah it's a great goal but it's not terribly achievable yeah. start with something that's easy yeah and you're and you're doing it so you're do you want to read the next one yeah the next question is from randy b and it says this question is for glenn but i think the core of it is universal so please free to chime in here too shelby as i continue to grow on my preparedness journey i know it's corny but it fits I find that some experts in the community have really worn thin on me. Their personality quirks I once found refreshing, I now find condescending and sometimes just insufferable. One such duck farmer, podcaster, not only led me to Glenn's books, by the way, he's talking about Jack Spearco of the Survival Podcast, he says not only led me to Glenn's books and thus to this community, but I credit him for saving me from going all Alex Jones back in 2012, and I wouldn't be as squared away or screwed on straight without that influence. However, now I find I'm unable to listen to him. That his, I know way more than you, and it's laughable you don't know that, and his sometimes confrontational manner are mentally taxing. So my question is, have you had a similar experience with folks you've met in the community, and have you been able to set aside or bypass your personal feelings to keep getting good info, or have you moved on and are disconnected from people who may be deeply knowledgeable but are not really aligned with your personality or values. Thanks in advance. So, well, yeah, and then go ahead. Well, I'm going to read one response to that, and we're going to take a break and give our commentary. Justice Kelly pipes in, I've listened to him from the Jetta days, and you definitely need to balance it with other sources, Bear, Viking Preparedness, Furfall, Bracken, Permaculture Voices with Diego, and some of Curtis Stone, and he goes on and on. Uh, Sam Culper I'll also suggest that, and we'll talk about this after the break I'll also suggest those on the opposite end of the spectrum just so you can understand the enemy and their point of view and see what it takes to defeat their positions um, best of luck I've been there so we'll talk about this a little bit more after the break because I really do want to give this a good answer what are your thoughts though we have about a minute Glenn well uh, you don't have to agree with everybody or like their personality to get information from them um, it's, you know, it, it's, it, we're, we're surrounded by people that we disagree with or that, that may irk us that are very valuable people to have around. So, uh, it doesn't bug me as far as people in this community. Um, I found that almost everybody is very, very cool. So before we take our break, I want to give a wonderful shout out to our great sponsors. All coupon codes are listed on our website, prepping2-0.com, under Friends and Affiliates. You can find Jared Savick and Lizzie McDaniel at redstate-realtor.com. Great folks that'll help you move to their red states, plus others. There's Backwoods Home Magazine, My Kind CBD, Numana Foods, Minutemen Coffee, Tack Niner Tactical Gloves. Great stuff there. Folks, we're going to draw this question out a little bit more after the break. Don't go away. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or a CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. 
PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. You are only as safe as your gear. Rely on Tac Niner Premium Tactical Survival Gear. Visit Tac Niner on Amazon. It's spelled T A C, the digit 9 E R. Tactical gloves, lights, poles, trenching, and more. See the full line. Visit Tac Niner on Amazon. Gear up and save money when you mention Glenn and Shelby. Use the code Tac Niner P20 at checkout and save 20% on tactical gloves. Tac Niner, premium, high performance survival gear that is built to last. Abe Lincoln here. In 1773, patriots broke the chains of British tyranny by throwing tea into Boston Harbor. On that day, Americans began drinking coffee. We celebrate that event daily here at Minutemen Coffee. All men are created equal. <laughs> coffee is not. Minutemen Coffee is roasted to perfection in small batches. Bold, smooth, and never bitter. Shipped to you fresh daily. Whole bean, ground, or our patented pods. www.minutemencoffee.com Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. Shelby Gallagher here. Wanted to give some more time to Justice Kelly's response to Randy B's question about a prepper uh, out there in the prepping community that's kind of worn thin on him. So he says, I want, and this is where I really wanted to give some more detail before he took the break. Uh, Justice recommends bear, Viking Bear pre- independent, Bear by independent, the way. thank you. Viking mm-hmm. preparedness, fur, fall, and bracken. We've had both of them on our yes, show. Yes, we have. Great guests. All of them. Bear independent, Viking preparedness, permaculture, voices with Diego. We've had someone else, not him. And some of Curtis Stone, Joel Salatin, John Mosby, Mountain Gorilla, Andy Stump with Cleared Hot, um, and he's in Montana, I guess. Brush Beater, we've had him on. Claire mm-hmm. Wolf and some others from the Western Rifle Association group. Sam Culper, have had him on. Yep. And even Rogan. Also, Joe Je- Rogan has not been a guest on no, our show. No, he's not. Yeah, he, he won't return he, my calls. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't have his phone. Anyway, I'll also suggest those on the opposite end. I think there's wisdom here of this spectrum, just so you can understand the enemy and their point of view and see what it takes to defeat their positions. It could happen here. Who did a good Civil War II sequence a couple of years ago? bow of the fifth column etc best of luck i've been there yeah i would like to uh, chime in on the part about looking to people with different perspectives and he mentions it could happen here which was a podcast series it's still going on um and it's by a leftist and there's a left-wing slant but the guy actually kind of sort of is objective he's he's not completely left-wing focused he does provide the other side of the story and i think it's very valuable 
from a amateur intelligence analyst that I am <laughs> perspective to know what the other side is thinking. And it could happen here is a pretty entertaining podcast. I would go to the first season. The, the second and onward seasons are all about a civil war because of climate change, which I just can't. Oh, I can't like buy into the premise of it, so I can't really listen to it. But there were some uh, podcasts and people mentioned that were really good to listen to. But yeah, as I as I mentioned, uh, the question of do you find people in this preparedness community generally cool? I do, and yeah. there there's some people. I mean, I have a different personality than a lot of people, um, and maybe I rub people wrong. I mean, not if you're a listener of the show. I mean, you, you obviously can tolerate me, and of course you can tolerate Shelby. I mean, who can't tolerate her? I'm awesome. Yeah, see, it's that it's that self-confidence. Yes. Wears thin on some. Exactly. <laughs> but um, it's important to get a lot of different perspectives, and I think that listening to a lot of other podcasts, and I would include YouTube channels in this, is a good idea, if for no other reason, if you listen to it, say, every day or every other day, it keeps you motivated. Now, it's possible to listen to doom and gloom stuff and, and um, you know, outrageous shock stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like you're all going to die tomorrow, you know, and that's the same message in every single show. So, But you need some of that, too, to motivate you. So you need to have a mixture is our point. I thought that yeah, was a really good yeah, question. And, and I think it's about, I mean, it's just like in any other place. If you're around somebody that kind of rubs you the wrong way, just kind of move on. No need to make a big hairy deal about it. Just kind of move on. So, that's, which, let's move on to the next question. I think that you can handle this All one right. very well. Terry asks, I live in communist Canada. Contrary to what people think, there are 7 million gun owners in Canada. I have more than 30. Let's assume the average gun owner has five. That is more than enough to arm every able-bodied adult. When our government goes full communist on us and we start our revolution, what are the odds of freedom? She, then she or he continues, loving Americans coming to help us out? Well, we talked about this before we did. What are the odds of freedom? Well, Terry... If you had asked me this three months ago, I would have said low because American Americans' perceptions of Canadians are that they're, they're socialists. Socialists. They're just kind of soft, you know, happy-go-lucky socialists because that's kind of your government. Um, but I changed my mind on that. You, you guys kicked booty with the uh, trucker situation a couple of months ago and pushing hard on. Uh, on your prime minister. It was amazing to watch. And you guys showed us that you have a thirst for freedom that we don't in America because our trucking situation, it was squelched in the media. I get it. We our, our truckers did the same thing and they did, they did it a little bit softer because they learned lessons from you. They didn't want to have their be arrested. They didn't want to be jailed and all of that. But um, you guys showed us quite a bit. So I think um, to answer your question, what are the odds of freedom? After what I just saw, pretty high. What are the odds of Americans helping you out? I think there was pretty low. Pre pretty low, but again, there were American truckers that came over the border and helped you. And he, for us here living in Montana on a border state with Canada, mm -hmm. it got pretty interesting. If you live on a border state like that, it got pretty interesting on border crossings because the the the. The issue was you can't cross a border unless you have a COVID shot, but you can cross the border on the southern border, you know, and so it, it was. And you get handed a free smartphone. Exactly. And there's a lot of solidarity between American and Canadian truckers. So I have higher hope now than I did a couple of months ago. I'll, I'll quit talking and let go ahead and take a turn. I was so proud yes. of Canadians when I saw how they rose up and peacefully uh, got some business done. And the other thing that was really, really heartwarming and positive that came out of the Canadian truckers protest was that it completely exposed New World Order Justin Trudeau and the tyrant that he is and, and the tyrannical nature of that national government. It was on full display. There is no questioning now. There's no what if. What if the government of Canada were dictatorial and they were just waiting for an event to go do their bad dictatorial stuff. No longer, no longer a question. Nope. You guys know what you're dealing with. And so 
I, I have a, I feel for you guys. Canada has a lot of cool aspects to it. We had Canadian Patriots on our show about a year ago. It was a great episode. Um, I don't have the episode number off the top of my head, as I usually do. But um, it was really well done yeah. and is really thoughtful. And it was very fascinating to see the comparisons between prepping and the culture of Canada compared to the United States. I learned a lot. And, you know, I grew up on the northern border and we had back in the days of TV coming on antennas coming through the air analog. I know it's crazy. We actually got Canadian TV. We were closer to the Canadian TV transmitters in Vancouver than we were to the ones in Seattle. And so I grew up on Canadian TV. I feel I feel like I'm bilingual. I can speak English and Canadian. I, I think that's a talent of mine. So you speak French? Nope, I don't. Exactly. Okay, yeah. so onward. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, that those are our thoughts on yeah. Canada. Yeah. Um, Mike Luce asks, is a Tesla roof and wall system worth the cost? And he says he's in the Mulberry, Arkansas area. I looked it up, and the, the name of this, so you all can Google it and find out more about it, is Tesla Powerwall. And Powerwall is one word. Um, it's a system that, that Tesla sells. They don't just do cars and space shots. They do solar uh, arrays and battery projects. It costs between twelve to $15,000 plus another 3500 or so to install. And the version 2.0, we, of course, are drawn to and gravitate towards anything with Sounds a 2.0. Yeah, it's got to be cool if it's got a 2.0. It's better than 1.0. I mean, it's got a 2 in front of it. It, uh, it puts out 13 and a half kilowatt hours of battery uh, storage, which is enough for quite a few household uses. I don't think you could have hair dryers and microwaves going um, for, you know, two hours at a time, but it would be pretty, pretty decent for household use. Um, I think it's a great system. Yes, it costs a lot of money. Um, I think it's a great system. And I don't know actually a ton about it, but I'm just going on generalities here, so please forgive me. But I think it's a pretty good system if you are not going to spend six months on YouTube trying to figure out how to do it on your own. There's there's a couple rules we have at the Tate Gallagher household, and one of them is there are a couple topics that we don't do ourselves. DIY has its limits. Electricity is one of the things that we don't goof around with. Yeah, that and propane plumbing. Did I say propane and propane oh, accessories? Anyway, um, so I think that it's kind of a one-stop shopping solution, and they have subcontractors that come out and do it for you, and that's probably a good thing. Again, if you've got a lot of time and to, to do it on your own, good on you, but... I've got a weird feeling that uh, this Tesla system is is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, the heart of it is the battery bank. That's yeah. always the part. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's so into solar panels. Oh, my panels have this many watts and all this other stuff. It doesn't do you any good unless you can store the energy. Think of a Tesla car. Without the batteries, it's it's just a a paperweight in a parking lot. You've got to have a way of storing the energy, and that's where the Tesla system really comes in. Yeah. So we're going to move on to the next one, and it's a he's kind of joking around a little bit, and then I'll read the next. I'll do the next two. So Ben Wheeler asks, and you can tell that we asked this question before April. He said, "Who has gas at six dollars U.S. dollars at six U.S. dollars by April Fool's? Seriously, kind of enjoying the slow burn collapse, but things will get better." Um, I, I don't see a question there, except um, there were several parts of the United States that were at six dollars a gallon by April Fool's. Definite parts of New York, as well as California. Hmm, blue states. I'm just saying. Mm, weird. Here in Western Montana, I'll put this out there. We've hovered around four dollars a gallon. Yesterday we gassed up. This is mid-April right now. Three eighty-five. Yeah, at Costco. At Costco. So, what I love. Let me just throw this out there. In our red state, our governor is is working hard to open closed, previously closed oil wells here in our state. On uh, state lands where the governor has control and the exactly. feds don't get a lease it, so it's their state leases, and he's opening up drilling on state land. On state land. Yeah. In response, what I appreciate about this is why we've always said go for, you, we have our governor advocating. The color of your state matters. It does. Advocating for Montana consumers as a buffer to the federal 
problems, which I so appreciate. You're not going to feel that in blue state. So anyway, onward, Northwest Prepper Girl. Did you have a thought on that, though? Yeah, I did. Um, ben Wheeler, who, by the way, um, came out to see us. He drove from West Virginia to North Idaho to come see us at the last uh, expo we were at. And I was absolutely... It was awesome. He, I think he's thinking about coming to the Palooza, too. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. So that would be great. Um, yeah, apparently, you know, he's got frequent driver miles. I don't know if that's a thing. But he uh, he says, kind of enjoying the slow burn collapse, but things will get better. Um, I don't know that I'm enjoying the slow burn collapse. It, there's a lot of I told you so value to it. Um, obviously, the books that Shelby and I wrote completely predicted all of this. And so that's kind of cool. But the problem is, is what we predicted is bad news for just about every American, unless you're one of the elite. And then this is this is great for unless you. Unless you're, I don't know, Elon Musk. Yeah. So, um but I do agree wholeheartedly with his assessment that things will get better. Things have to get better. That doesn't mean there there won't be a, a catastrophic thing. An EMP is always possible, and we're not. And it could get a lot worse before it gets better. It, yeah, but it will get better. I don't see things continuing like they are. I don't know how they get better. I have a general idea. And by the way, well, and since you asked, listener, well, wait, you Did didn't he ask, ask. I don't know. No, but I don't it think begs anyone the question. Asked. Yes. It's a, it's a good segue into the to what I want to talk about, and that is um, the general way this gets better is the left completely overplays their hand politically, economically, and socially. And once you get rid of the idea that all 50 states and 330 million people are all going to be one big happy family, because it's impossible for things to get better nationwide. It just is because there are hardcore communists. Some members of blue states are communists. That's right, the C word. Not that other Mm -hmm. C word, but the communist word. And so you're never going to persuade people uh, in Seattle that free markets and freedom and, and traditional values are a good idea. So that can't be your standard. If that is your standard, you're gonna say, well, it's never gonna work, you're gonna give up. And you're going to eat Doritos and watch TV and you're going to say, well, it's impossible. So why try once you accept, in my opinion, the fact, the cold, hard fact that blue states and red states are entirely different and that you can have dual tracks. You can have, for example, the Montana governor opening up state oil leases and getting more oil into production. There, There's a refinery in Billings. Absolutely. With a giant rail yard that where they bring in oil from Wyoming, for example. And right. you can bet the Wyoming governor is in the same boat as a Montana governor. You can have a better way of life in red states. And what are people gonna do? They're going to flock to red states Oh, geez, is that happening? I don't know what possible metric out there does not support the theory that people are moving from blue states to red states. And the reason for most of them, not all of them, but for most of them is freedom and prosperity and being able to raise their kids without this nonsense that's going on all over the place. So it will get better once you jettison the idea of, as I say, 50 states all being on the same team. And you don't have to have a civil war, which would be a horrible, terrible thing nobody wants. You don't have to have a civil war to have blue states and red states doing their own thing, largely doing their own thing, and doing things so differently that the difference in quality of life between blue states and red states is really noticeable. And now it is really noticeable. And so things are gonna get better in red states and they're gonna get worse in blue states. And I think that's a fact. Yeah. I don't even think that's debatable And anymore. I think it will get better in red states faster. Oh, absolutely. I think you might have said that. Anyway. Nope, but okay. it's, it's, what I, it's what I meant. So <laughs> once again, you've read my mind like you often do. So I'm going to go on to the next person, um, Northwest Prepper Girl. So we know NW Prepper is a girl. Yeah. The details of bartering. How do you truly barter? How do you know you are actually getting an even trade? I suck at bartering, LOL, and I need to know the skills and know-how. I have things and skills to barter, but in in these times, giving up more than you are getting might be a costly mistake. I'm going to let you start with this because you have an example. 
Yeah. Before I get to the example, I will note that episode 139, which was um, one of the COVID broadcasts that was a rebroadcast of a previous episode, but the episode 139, you can go to prepping2-0.com and look up in the archives. Um, prepping. Yeah, yeah, you can look in the archives and find episode 139, and it's all about bartering. But before we get into the the extended answer on bartering, because we have so much to say and this very helpful example that I have, I wanted to mention a couple things. One, we were talking about EMPs and how devastating it would be. EMP Shield makes an amazing product. They make a product that you wire in, and it's super easy to wire in. It's like white wires to white wires, black wires to black wires, and green wires to green wires. Even Glenn Tate could handle this. And they make a device that you wire into whatever it is you don't want to get fried. Could be your fuse box in your house. Could be your vehicle, your ham radio shack. It could be whatever it is. This stuff works. The government has bought a bunch of them, and there have been all kinds of tests of it. Other than an EMP, which is a high cost to pay to test a product, right? As far as we know, these things work. So you can go on to prepping2-0.com, go to the friends and affiliates page, click on the logo for EMP Shield, and use the coupon code prepping2.0, and you get $50 off a device. They're about $300 a piece, so that should give you an idea that the $50 off is quite the bargain. And I also wanted to mention firearms radio network we are very proud to be on the firearms radio network we are the 24th show so there are 23 other good shows and every week we do a spotlight of one and this week our spotlight is on god and guns nice nice yeah you guess what the podcast is about god and guns we've been on there twice shelby and i came on and then i was on there separately it's a great podcast especially if you've you know, got a religious bent to you, um, you're going to love it. So God and Guns on radio or on Firearms Radio Network, which is firearmsradio.net. Please check them out. Well, to add to the bartering answer, yeah. <laughs> this is an example. I came up with this on my own. I'm not saying this has been like scientifically tested or anything, but this is um, uh, an example that was used in the 299 Days book series. And I think it would work pretty well for not getting ripped off in a barter situation. So what you would do is you would look at the price of something. You've got product A and product B, right? That's going to be the Mm -hmm. trade. You look at the price of product A before the crisis, and you'd have to define when that is. And let's say it was, um, what was the example we were using? Oh, um, I don't know. Sil- silver and AKs. Yeah, AKs. Of course. Okay, yeah. So you've got an AK and um, you want to buy uh, beef. That's what it was. AK for beef. There you go. It's kind of hard to say, well, this rifle is worth one cow. That's kind of imprecise. So um, what I suggest you do is you look at what an AK costs before things went out of control. And let's say it's about 800 bucks. I think that's probably what a decent AK costs right now. And so... You then um, look at silver or gold. You can use either either medium of exchange. You don't have to have the gold and silver in order to make this trade, although it would make it way easier mm-hmm. if you did, but you're just going to use the price of gold or silver. And you're going to say, well, back in the good old days, an AK at $800 was worth, and I'm going to use round numbers because nobody likes doing math, especially on the spot, especially if you're a lawyer. That's why I went to law school was because I'm no good at math. So if you say an AK at $800 is worth half an ounce of gold, if you assume gold is $1,600 an ounce, it's currently closer to 2000 But you would say, okay, so an AK is worth half an ounce of gold. Well, then you look at product B, and the good old days price of, let's say, half a beef cow is 800 bucks. Um, you would then say, well, that's about, well, let's not do that because that's too easy of an example. Let's say $1,600 for a beef go. cow. So you would say, well, a beef cow is worth $1,600, which is about an ounce of gold back in the good old days. So then you would know you would have relative values. You would know that it's gonna cost you two AKs for a whole beef cow, or it's gonna cost you one AK for half a beef cow. So you use the the peacetime dollar figure and the peacetime dollar figure for gold or silver, and then you look at what 
if you were just going to pay cash, which is kind of a weird thing to do in a bartering situation, but it, it, it helps illustrate this example. Um, assume the Federal Reserve is printing cash like crazy. Wait, you don't have to assume that. Let's say it's what? it's even worse than it is now. So you would say, well, an AK is $800. That's half an ounce of gold. What does an ounce of gold cost in, in the crisis? And let's say an ounce of gold is $10,000 an ounce, which, by the way, I could really see happening. Yeah. So you would know that your AK is worth 5,000 new dollars. And you would know that, and that might help you out if you had to make change basically with using dollar figures or if you had dollars, whatever it is. So you use the the pre-war price of stuff, the pre-war price of gold or silver, and then you, you use that to convert it into new dollars. The other thing that'll happen is that this this is one of these things that I think, and I'm guilty of this myself. I think people overthink this. It's going to evolve. Yes. You're going to know what, and maybe not initially, but after a while, it's like going to a farmer's market. You're going to know if you're not familiar with what really fresh produce costs. You're going to see the prices, and you're going to figure it out, and you're going to figure out whether it's worth it to you. You, mm-hmm. you're, this will develop and evolve, and. It won't be that bad. So when you listen to episode 139, you're going to hear about what I foresee and Shelby and I foresee as trading posts developing where there's going to be a place where people go and they they show their wares and there's a a currency or there's some sort of system for valuing, which could take a variety of forms. There could be localized currency, which is usually called scrip, S-C-R-I-P, which is basically made up money for a particular purpose you're going to have security at these trading posts because nobody's going to go to them if they're going to get robbed we saw this in argentina fairfall talks about it where the safest place in argentina when the gangs were running wild was at the the trading post well i see we're running out of time i want to add though really quick i i absolutely agree and i also think values will dictate themselves when we get a little bit closer to it as well if i can add that yeah, yeah so. absolutely. looks like we have a little bit more time than I thought we did. We do. Well, we have about a minute or so. Yeah. Um, so what I do want to just wrap up with, we're going to carry these questions into the after show. But um, quick reminder, Picnic Palooza in Missoula. Don't forget, we'd love to have you join us. And for Patreons, we're about ready to take it to the after show for you. There's a special event just for you later on in the summer. So, um, and I also want to encourage people to go check out our website, prepping2-0.com. Everything you need to know is there. Right. We have many past episodes on these topics, plus the others that we're going to go into as well. And again, that's where all of our coupon codes are. That's where all of our great sponsors are that offer great products. So... A quick thing about prepping2-0.com, a great way to find episodes, and here's how I do it when I'm answering questions from people about what episode was this in. I do a search in DuckDuckGo, or I guess you could use Google if you want to have them ruin your life, for prepping2-0.com, and then the word, like barter. That's how I found... Water treatment. Water treatment. That's how I found these things. So it's a quick and easy way. We don't have a search feature on our archives, but you can use uh, the interwebs to do that. So folks, from Benjamin Franklin, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.